I've been reading, rereading uh, Stillness Flowing, the Ajahn Chah biography, and reading newly some uh, other parts of it. Ajahn Chah is that fellow in the back there looking a bit intimidating, keeping an eye on me <laughs> every Sunday. <laughs> Uh, he's a he's the founder, I suppose, of this lineage, the Ajanta lineage, uh, and he trained many of the senior monks that uh, we we invite here on a regular basis, and then they have subsequently trained monks after them, and some of those monks trained some of us, and here we are uh, sitting here as a lay community in the Ajanta. Uh, lineage of the uh, Thai forest Theravada Buddhist tradition. Yeah, so Matt, how did I end up here? This is like the, the most conservative sect of the most conservative school of, <laughs> of Buddhism. Must be because I started out Catholic and I just love the incense and the <laughs> chanting and the cookies. <laughs> Once a Catholic, always a Catholic, I think. <laughs> Somebody's saying something. <laughs> it's been uh, interesting. I, I read about half of his biography before, and uh, now I've reread half of it, and I'm uh, uh, getting through the rest of it. And it's just been a wonderful and interesting reminder and also I'm learning new things about how our lineage has come together you know within the larger tradition and because um, sometimes I'll say to people you know they'll say well wh why are you do why do you do this why do you do something the way you do it <laughs> you know my answer is because in this tradition <laughs> because in this tradition but you know truly um, some of what we do here comes from, you know, cultural Thai overlay. Some of it comes from uh, the way that uh, the Buddha brought the teachings into the world 2,600 years ago. Some of it comes from uh, the way Ajahn Chah sort of formed his community. And some of it comes from being a lay community within a monastic kind of framework. And so we made a bunch of that stuff up <laughs> while trying to, you know, be very mindful about um, uh, <clears throat> staying true to the Dhamma, you know, and the teachings of the Buddha and this tradition and this lineage. And so it's an interesting mix of it's, an, it's a quilt, you know, of heritage that we have here. Some of it is extremely old, ancient, and some of it's quite new, brand new, really. Uh, <clears throat> one of the, you know, one of the themes that comes up over and over about the way that Ajahn Chah trained his monastics, trained the monastics at Wat Papang in the branch monasteries and then when westerners came there and started uh, learning from him and he was really big on frustrating the monks <laughs> he saw that you know 
they came to uh, ordain with him and ordain in this kind of uh, very specific place in this specific way in the specific tradition because they wanted happiness that was not based on conditions. That's another way of saying enlightenment, happiness that is not based on our conditions, <clears throat> true happiness, true uh, contentment. And uh, so one way to uh, help people find their own inner happiness that is not based on conditions is to make the conditions really <laughs> miserable <laughs> and frustrating. And uh, so he, you know, frustrated the community as a whole <laughs> and fr individually frustrated people based on their own <laughs> proclivities and defilements. That term is kind of funny term, but uh, obstacles, their own obstacles, you know, if people wanted to talk a lot, he'd find ways to help them talk less. If people didn't want to talk enough, he'd find ways to help them talk more. Uh, if they wanted to eat a lot, he'd find ways to eat, uh, help them eat little. If they wanted to sleep a lot, he'd find ways to help them sleep less. Uh, and vice versa, you know, he would, people would say to him, uh, you know, you're, you sort of, you contradict yourself from day to day. I hear one thing today and one thing tomorrow. What's this? And, you know, he would say, well, you know, the path is here. So some people are going here. We have to, you know, I have to encourage them back this way. And some people are going this way and I have to encourage them back to the middle. You know, so the teachings might seem contradictory, but really everyone's different. You know, so he's pointing people back toward the middle way, back toward the path, based on their own uh, you know, personalities and obstacles and uh, proclivities and inclinations. And a lot of the times it was through sort of uh, these frustrating exercises. There's a, a quite a famous story I was mentioning it to Jim and, and Michael this morning because we were asking Jim just to talk so, so we could work out some microphone issues. And, and Jim kept talking, so, but keep talking. He said, I'm not saying anything. We, that didn't matter. You know, we just needed some noise. And there's sort of a, a, a rather um, famous in this, you know, these circles story about uh, the young Ajahn Sumedho, who was the first Western monk that went to stay with Ajahn Chah. And uh, he was to give a Dhamma talk and his tie was, you know, not that great. And his Lao was less great. And <clears throat> Ajahn Chah, you know, had him give a talk and he made him go for three hours. And just keep, no, keep, yeah, keep going, keep going. And over time, over the three hours, you know, people left, they, they fell asleep. They, they didn't, who was Ajahn Sumedho? They're not, they didn't need to. And, you know, finally at the end, uh, there were just a few like older women who were kind of trying to stay awake and be respectful. And, and they stayed to the end. And, and, uh, you know, of course, Ajahn Sumedho 
took that as a lesson. It was very frustrating to have to say all the words he knew in Thai <laughs> over and over <laughs> for three hours. Uh, but in the end, uh, his conclusion was, well, you know, I can't get attached to whether people are falling asleep and I can't get attached to whether people are walking out. I can't get attached to whether I am tired and or frustrated or want to get down or everybody wants to leave or it's hot or it's cold or it's two in the morning. I've given myself to this practice. I've given myself to this practice. And there are many, many stories like that. It's an interesting read in that way. <clears throat> and in a lay community, you know, we really shouldn't purposefully frustrate each other. That <laughs> it's not nice. <laughs> People wouldn't stay, you know, if we went about trying to frustrate each other. In fact, you know, in this community, we try to help each other. We try to uh, pitch in and we try to um, ease the way uh, for these kind of gatherings to happen. It is not going to be useful in our in our community to try to frustrate each other into learning lessons. You know, but that said, it's worth it, I think, um, as practitioners of the Dhamma and, of, you know, of the Buddhist teachings to get a look at what frustrates us. You know, we don't have to frustrate each other because there's plenty to frustrate us. <laughs> What's that, uh, what's that phrase? Like gestures broadly. <laughs> there, there is no uh, shortage <laughs> of frustrations <laughs> to encounter. In a I'm not gesturing at Michael, by the way. I'm gesturing at this sort of, uh, you know, the chords and the just technology. That's a good one. You know, temperature. That's another one. <laughs> Noise. <laughs> You might notice that all of these things are uh, that frustrate us are coming through our senses, you know, things that I see, things that I hear, things that I touch, things that I feel, things that I smell, things that I taste. These are the things that either delight us or frustrate us. You know, we like them or we don't like them. And it's useful to look at. I think what frustrates us and then start to investigate why, because if we really do want to be happy and dependent of our conditions and we have to see what frustrates us and why, so that we can let some of that go. Like, um, let's just close our eyes for a moment. I'm sorry to do this to you. Uh, think of something that frustrates you. <laughs> it might be a person, <laughs> it might be a situation, an ongoing, a reoccurring, you know, uh, set of circumstances. And just bring it up. Let's just bring it up into our minds for a moment. What sort of, what's something, one thing, one person, one situation that personally frustrates us? I feel that tension in the body. 
Uh, why am I thinking about this person? I'm on. I'm at the meditation center. <laughs> I came here to not think about this person. <laughs> Do not think about this situation, but it's useful. It's a tool. So just think about for a moment this thing that frustrates you. Even a little bit, just a niggling thing. We don't have to bring up the hardest thing in our lives. And then investigate. You know, why? Is there... Is there a root cause for this frustration? What is it when I come up against this thing, this person, what is it that brings up that sense of frustration? What is frustrating to me inside? You know, I think that most of the time, if you ask somebody, why does this frustrate you? Or why does this person frustrate you? They would say, you know, you might say, well, because it's stupid. <laughs> what they're doing is stupid. <laughs> the situation is ridiculous. You know, but that's pointing to the condition. And what's happening is stupid. It's ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense. Why do they do that? But that's pointing to the condition. That's wanting the condition to change. And what we really want to do is look within. So it might be that, you know, somebody's doing that, something that frustrates us. It might be that they, that we want to be looked upon better. It might be that we want to feel respected. It might be that um, it takes up too much time in our day. It might be that we feel like our time is just you know, going out the window, having to always fix this thing or this person or the situation. Um, it might be that we put a lot of effort into something and it still isn't right. We might feel like we're wasting our efforts, our time. But what does that mean? What does it mean to waste our time, waste our effort? How would we spend our time otherwise? Is this something we can let go? I think the first thing to do when something frustrates us or someone frustrates us is to ask, what, is something really wrong? Has something truly gone wrong? And how I frame that for myself is in, you know, is in the five precepts. You know, is somebody harming someone? Is something harming someone? Um, engaged in harmful relationships? Is someone else being harmed, stolen from, lied to? Uh, in those cases, something has gone wrong. And it's frustrating to see that. And we can act. You know, we don't have to act out of frustration, but we should act to protect people who are being harmed by others, to protect ourselves from being harmed by others by getting some space, getting some distance. Or is our frustration something that is kind of mm, 
toying with our sense of who we are, toying with our sense of confidence, toying with our sense of comfort, oh, toying with our sense of convenience. Often what we're frustrated with is just an inconvenience. Could be a gigantic ongoing <laughs> inconvenience, uh, but it might just still be an inconvenience then we can look within again. You know, is this, why does this bother me? Why do I feel like it has to be any other way? You know, it might be that you volunteered your time and you put a lot of effort into a project and then it got taken out from under you or it really just fell apart in the end or the, you know, group projects, <laughs> you know how group projects go? <laughs> we do all the work, right? <laughs> and everybody else is skating by. Maybe we feel that way, you know? Maybe we feel like we put in more effort and then in the end, it wasn't held in a way that we wanted it to be held. Why is that frustrating? We just have to ask ourselves. And then we can move from a place of, you know, being what is practical. Okay, well, it's not practical for me to do this or it's not practical for me to work on a Tuesday, or it's not practical, you know, to engage with this person because we're not on the same page. You know, I can make a move, you know, I can make a choice based on what's practical, based on, you know, loving kindness for the situation, for myself, for the other person. I, I can make a move. I passion. Or I can choose to transform some of these feelings. So like, um, you know, if somebody's frustrating to me, you know, goodwill is a product of seeing what is beautiful, seeing what's good in a person or in a situation. So then, you know, Maybe if I really want to transform my inner life, maybe if I really want to transform this frustration or this frustrating situation, I can look for what's beautiful. Now, there is almost always something beautiful about a person, about a situation, but we have to see it in order for that goodwill to arise. And if there isn't, some people, some situations are not savable or solvable. Then we move on. We don't have to deal with it. No, but we want to come not from that feeling of frustration, but from a feeling, from a place of what's practical for me, what's good for the, what's good for the, what's for the benefit of everyone, for the benefit of all beings, for the benefit benefit of the whole and I think it just takes time you know to work that out one uh, thing that you know we can do you don't need to because there's frustrations everywhere but as dawn practitioners we can also decide to frustrate ourselves you know just for fun and enjoyment and and spiritual growth <laughs> So maybe that's taking on a precepts, you know. Oh, I'm not gonna, not gonna take what's not 
expressly offered to me for a week. What does that look like? And well, Christmas is coming, Thanksgiving is coming, you know, <laughs> there's food everywhere, there's stuff everywhere. You know, can I keep my hands out of the candy dish for a week? Whatever that looks like to you, you know, can I not take what's not offered? Uh, can I, can I try on maybe a, maybe an interesting um, exercise in putting my phone down at a period that I would normally pick it up or keeping it in the back seat if I want to look at it when I'm driving or, you know, something with eating habits or something with speaking habits or how can I frustrate myself a little bit in order to look at my mind and see the growth. It's kind of fun. You don't have to tell anybody. You can fail miserably, you know, it's your business. <laughs> but I've, over my uh, life of Dhamma practice, I've had a really good time setting up these little obstacles and then looking at what my mind does with them. It's interesting. It's fascinating and it's fruitful, really, you know. So that's probably enough on this uplifting topic of frustration, <laughs> frustrating yourselves and others. <laughs> oh, and of course, we're always frustrating someone else too. So I have to remember that, you know. <laughs> Oops, <laughs> keep an eye on that as well. <laughs>